Our scripture this morning comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 15 to 19. It reads as follows. Then they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. When the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teachings. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. We live in interesting times. We live in very interesting times, and if we take a closer look at what's happening around the world in the church, there seems to be a very strong shift taking place. There are shifts everywhere. We we can look back at things that happened before the pandemic. We can look at things that happened during the pandemic. But the church as we know it continues to evolve and to move and to shift. A lot of things have changed, continue to change, the world around us, between politics, denominational pressures, all sorts of things are changing the way we see and do church. There is something going on. If you had to stop and put your ear to the the doorway of heaven or maybe to hear what was going on in the world of the church, you might hear words like transformation. There's transformation happening in the life of the church. You might hear words like the word transition. There are a lot of transitions that are taking place. Some of my more exciting words that I enjoy are the word renewal. I believe God is bringing about renewal into His church. Some of you might even have heard the word revival. A lot of people are praying and believe that we are on the precipice of a revival, that something is taking place. And you might even have heard the term being said, Maybe we are in the process of a new reformation. I want to ask this question this morning. Is it possible that God is once again causing a disruption in His church, ushering in a new season? A couple of years ago, in fact for a good few years now, there's been a scripture that has been on my heart and continues to kind of circle in my spirit. It's in my journal, it's in my prayer life. But I thought initially that this was for me. The scripture comes from Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, Do do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I remember a couple of years sitting, reading this in a devotional, coming across this in my spirit, writing it in my journal. I remember clearly one day I was traveling I turned the television on. I don't know if I was streaming on my computer or watching it on the television. And the minister stood up and said, the reading for today is Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And this concept that God was doing something new seemed to be not only in me, but in the world larger than just myself as well. There was a real sense that God was doing something. I thought maybe it was my personal journey. I kind of put it in my journal. I walked on. But The last couple of years, over and over and over again, the scripture keeps coming up that God is doing something new. Is it possible that Jesus is once again 
turning the tables in the temple? Is it possible that once again he has entered into a sacred space, deliberately causing disruption in our lives because God wants to do something new? And if this be true, if God wants to do something new, if God is doing something new in our lives, the question for us as a church is simply this. Are we as a church, is Trinity Church Sugarland, are we open? Are we ready? Are we available? Are our hearts open? Is your spirit open to heaven? Because if God is doing something new, we want to be a part of what God is doing. Now I entitled my, my message this morning, If Not Here. Because if we here will not embrace it, if we here will not open up our hearts and our spirit to what God is doing, then where? I say here we stop and we do something. Mark chapter 11 is an interesting passage. There is, I kind of look at this passage and I see two spaces, maybe three spaces. There is this temple where there's the, the changing of monies. There is the, the den of thieves. We see what is the temple as it is. And then we see Jesus coming in and discerning and saying, this is what I see it is, but this is what it should be. And there's that sense of, I don't like this. There's a problem here. We need it to become something else. It should not be a den of thieves. It should be a house of prayer for all nations. If we look back at Jewish history, we see a continual movement in the worship of, of Jewish, Jewish, well, Jewish worship. There's a continual evolution and a changing in a movement. We see right from the time of the Exodus, they come out, we see the tabernacle, which is the place of worship. We then go on, we see there's the temple and Solomon's temple. And there's this beautiful moment in Solomon's temple where, where the spirit comes down and the cloud comes down and the glory is in the place. Just a beautiful picture. But there comes a time when that temple is destroyed and there's the second temple, Zerubbabel's temple. There comes a time when that temple is destroyed. And then there's Herod's temple. And we see Jesus stepping into that place. And we even see in AD 70 that the temple that Jesus was in was then once again destroyed again. And worship moves over to places like synagogues. Within the church, we have the, the, the church is also a form of worship. And we can say that this is the church. I'm, I mean, Monday to Saturday, this is the school. But I mean, today it's a church. But is it a church? Or are we the church? There's a continual moving and shifting and shaping in the world that we need to be open to, to hear what God is doing. I look at all these disruptions. We look at history and we see how things continue to change in our personal lives, in the world around us, in the church life. And we ask ourselves, why all the disruptions? Can't we just keep everything the same? I want things to be the same. Who does not like change? Yeah, there we go. One or two honest people, the rest of you, the Lord bless you and love you. <laughs> Have you ever been, like, like there's a website that you use all the time and they change it? Who knows what I'm talking about? How big is that screen? Is it this big? And your mouse is going around, you're like, I don't know where to click anymore. They've changed this thing. I don't know why they changed this thing. This thing worked just the way it was. It was fine the way it used to be. It was always good the way it used to be. Now they move it. Now I've got to find, where do I click this again? Now I click this, but that doesn't work. Then it goes there. None of you have had that experience. It's only me. It's fine. It happens all the time to me. 
We don't like change. We don't like things to change. Generally, we want things to be exactly the same way they've always been. Think about change in churches. If you are used to the church being a certain way, even the, lit the liturgy and the way things work on a Sunday and somebody changes one word in the communion, you go, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. Pick that up, there's a change. We don't like change. How many of you are sitting in the same seat you sat in last week? Don't put your hands up. Don't put your hands up. <laughs> and you know why that's a problem is because if you sit in another seat, then you're sitting in somebody else's seat, then they have to find a new seat, then they sit in somebody else's seat, then they have to find a new seat, then they have to find a We don't like things to change. Some of you have been around the church world for quite a while. What did you think the first time you went to a church service and they had drums <laughs> some of you are all like no, still casting them out but things change things continue to change things will change they will keep changing in the world around us and we have to not change because the world changed we've got to change because God takes us on a journey we might ask the question why does God allow disruptions to take place why does God take us out of a place that is comfortable and a place that we like and a place that we feel is so good why does Jesus come into the temple and turn the tables upside down? Couldn't he just stand back and say, oh, leave them alone and just walk away? No, because when something is broken, it needs to be fixed. Jesus disrupts the sacred space because something is wrong. There is something going on here that should not be going on. And he moves in and he disrupts that space. So too God disrupts our sacred spaces because something is broken. The first temple, uh, the first temple was destroyed almost out of a sense of judgment as the Israelites left their faithfulness to, to, to God. As with the second temple, all these things took place because something was wrong and something needed to change. Not the place of worship, maybe the people who do the worshiping. Something in us has to change. If we go back to our text, he drives out those that are selling and those who are buying in the temple. He overturns the tables of the money changers. Is it wrong that there were money changers in the temple? Not necessarily. People were traveling from all over to worship. Some had Roman currency, some had Greek currency, some had local currency. The temple used the Tyrian shekel, and so they had to trade so they had a common currency within the temple. That's not the problem. Some things we have to do, we get that. Was it wrong that they were necessarily selling sacrificed animals to be sacrificed? Well, if you came to sacrifice and you traveled two, three days and you arrived, I mean, I don't know if you're going to take your lamb and put it over your shoulders and walk for two, three days and say, we got you. And the lamb's like, no, I'm not. This lamb is no longer good for a sacrifice because it was without blemish three days ago. But after running away three days, it's like, no, this is not good anymore. So they needed a sacrifice. So that's not a bad thing. So what was the problem? A commentator who seems to take a rather harsh outlook on this thing writes as follows. He says, Pilgrims were requested to bring an acceptable, perfect sacrifice that had to pass rigorous inspection. Most chose, and then he says, well, actually, really, they were forced to buy an approved animal certified by, and he calls it the mafia of temple priests backed by the powerful, and he calls them the corrupt Sanhedrin of the time. The markup was shameful and immoral. Some estimated that the charge, they charged 16 times the normal price. 
of what they could have charged. Money changers would exchange foreign currency, which was unacceptable for transaction in the temple, into Jewish currency, again for an outrageous fee. Jesus saw extortion, bribery, greed, and dishonesty in this religious bazaar. Rather than the temple being about God and people, some within the temple were using that space to exploit people and to enrich themselves. Thank goodness the 21st century is nothing like that. It's sad when we look at the church and we realize that the church itself so often gets caught up in all sorts of things. The church tends to fall from its intended purpose to love God and love people. It moves something else to the center. Something else takes precedence in that place. We see politics consuming the church. We see power dynamics and power struggles taking place. We see people so often looking for position people looking for possessions and all the time it's about and it should be about God it should be about people yet it becomes about so much else as I was meditating on this two scriptures came to mind the one scripture is this what I believe the church and what we've been called to do and the other which seems very much like the world we so often live in in Matthew chapter 22 which is the bottom scripture here Jesus says when they say tell us about the law Tell us, what are the greatest? What's the greatest commandment? He says, it's very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. Is it the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. Very simple. Love God. Love people. That's what it's supposed to be about. That's what the church is supposed to be about. Unfortunately, too often, it looks a bit more like 1 John 2, 15 and 16, where it becomes a place where people love the world and the things of the world. <coughs> And it seems more characterized by a desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let me make this statement. Every time we move God from the center, our worship shifts and people are exploited. Think about that for a second. Every time we move God from the center, our worship shifts and people are exploited. Unfortunately, history tells us, and when you sit with people today and say, the church is great, we love Jesus, come be a part of our church, they say, well, tell us about the Crusades. Well, that's another discussion for another time, but come to church, tell us about the Inquisition. Well, that's another discussion for another time, but come to church. And the church has so much stuff in its history that people get to the point where they start to doubt the church, and even Christians doubt the church. There's never been a problem with God. There's never been a problem with the church, but there has been a problem with the focus of God. The focus of people, when they take their focus off God, they shift Him away from the center. They move themselves into the center. They move their agendas into the center. They move their ambitions into the center. That's when things get messed up. Why does Jesus turn the tables? Because sometimes when things are broken, things need to change. If you look at Mark chapter 11, 15 and 16, back to our scripture that we started with, the money changes. There are some hidden gems right here. You know, the money changes 
the people who would have had to change money were probably those that were foreigners. People who came from far, people who weren't used to being around that area, who maybe didn't quite know their way around. Maybe we could have called them immigrants. Yet they were exploiting the immigrants because, well, they could. The foreigners would have been exploited by the money changers. In fact, with the sacrifice, the foreigners probably would also have been exploited because they the ones who would have had to travel far and then pay exorbitant prices to get an acceptable sacrifice. And Jesus is saying, this is a house for all nations. This is a place to pray for all nations. Why are we pushing some people out? It's interesting that it says the seats of those who sold doves, an offering of the poor. An offering of the poor. He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. Well, isn't that the place for the Gentiles? The courts where they would worship, yet instead of just taking the normal route the way they could have gone, they could take a shortcut through the temple and disrupt the worship of these foreigners and these strangers and these aliens, and these poor people. And Jesus steps in and says, hang on a minute. Sometimes we need to turn the tables around because something needs to change. Something needs to change. I want to say this morning that the world is full of people who desperately need Jesus. We have people who need Jesus. There are people who know they need Jesus. There are people who don't even know they need Jesus. There are people out there that know that their lives are a mess. They know that they're broken. They know that they are lost. They don't even know what they need. And we know from this side of salvation and this side of God's word that what they need is Jesus. Because in Jesus, the old becomes new. The old is gone. Sin is forgiven. There is a new life. There is a world that is dying around us. Every day when you go to the supermarket, there are people who need Jesus. Every day when you stop at the gas station, there are people who need Jesus. Every day when you ride on the highway, those people that are driving so badly, they need Jesus just a little bit more, okay? <laughs> but they also need Jesus. And the church needs to be the place that says, Come! This is, we will be the people who open our arms up and say, you can find Jesus here. You can find grace here. You can find love here. You can find salvation in this place. And I want to say to Trinity Church this morning, let us be that place. Amen. So where to from here? Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, God doesn't give up on His church. You know that. And you know what? Here's another thing. We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. That's fine. Perfection is not going to happen. But we're going to keep trying. When He turns the tables over, we're going to say, Okay, God, what can we learn? How can we change? How can we be more like You? Ephesians chapter 5. We know this because it speaks about husbands and wives. But actually... Paul ends this passage by saying, actually, I speak about a great mystery. I speak about Christ and the church. And then he says this, husbands, love your wives. And then he says, and now he's talking about the relationship in Christ and the church. Just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, watch this, in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word 
to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind. Yes, so that she may be holy without blemish. Jesus is building his church. Jesus has not given up on his church. The future of his church is great. And I want to say, let's be that church. Amen. Amen.